Welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 47, Nerd Manji. I'm Brendan. <laughs> I'm Spindles. And today we're joined by Simon from Thirsty Meeples. Hello, thank you for having me on. It's great. No worries at all, sir. Because there's an article in the Telegraph last week that needs some response. <laughs> but we'll get to that. That's going to be our talking point for the end of the show. To start off, with, we're going to run through some quick comic book and film-rated news. Mm, it seems like there's been a lot of it exploding today. So there's the Spider-Man stuff to start off with. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland has been cast. Peter Parker is going to be a teenager and Kevin Faye from Marvel has said that he wants to have a John Hughes style approach to the new Spider-Man film. So it's not going to be all about the villain. It's going to be about... Um, Set in Sherman, Illinois, and it's going to be following a group of quirky teens. Yeah, it's going to be the Breakfast Club. <laughs> the joke I've seen bouncing on the internet a lot is the next time they reboot it, he's going to be in, in diapers and in a crib, and he's going to be like, six-year-old Spider-Man. They'll reboot it so many times, and it'll turn out, you know, be fighting against Stewie as he misses. I think the rule is every time a Stark dies, Spider-Man gets rebooted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, We've that got, works. like, what, three to go now? <laughs> yeah, there ain't many. There ain't many left. <laughs> so they have... Uh, Kevin Faye's knowledge that they can't do a John Hughes movie because only John Hughes could do a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. But it's the field they're going to go for, so... Yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith can do a John Hughes movie. At least he tries very hard he to tries, do yeah. <laughs> I'd say he gets fairly close. Yeah, he does the whole... Um, the angsty... Adolescent thing. He's very good well. at the, you know, the double-headed talking head shots. That's, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. just disappointed, just disappointed that Kevin Smith Spider-Man isn't a thing. Well, indeed. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, dis- I'm still disappointed that Kevin Smith Superman wasn't a yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> we were all waiting for that one. Yeah. Or is Batman? Yeah, mm. indeed. Because Batman became um, bastardized and ripped from the series and repackaged as I want to say Wild Wild West from an evening from uh, an evening with Kevin Smith. Oh, I don't remember. Where he's talking about how his idea for a Batman film got repackaged completely, and that his idea was to have like this big sort of metallic spider. Yeah, that's part of the final service. And that became became Wild Wild West. Oh, God. One of the first steampunk films, in my opinion. Nice. (laughs) Mm. Uh, So, Will Smith, a trendsetter in the steampunk world. (laughs) (laughs) You never have thought that. Yeah, I never thought that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously New Line Cinema, Division of Warner, have bought up all the Vertigo rights. Mm, intriguing. It is because you kind including of including the Sandman property, which is currently under development. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited about that in a cautious kind of way. If they do it right, if they do it well, amazing. If they don't, I'll weep. It's going to be interesting. I mean, because I, I do like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think I've, I've liked pretty much everything he's ever done. Like stuff like Brick is absolutely an amazing film. If you've not seen Brick, then I highly recommend you watch it. It's kind of like a pulp noir thriller set in a high school. It's very very cool <laughs> film. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's amazing. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen him in a bad film so far. But, I don't know, I, I, th- I kind of feel it's a bit of a stretch if he's going to be Morpheus. 
Yeah. I think that's a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah. Because he's not exactly tall and imposing. He's very baby-faced, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? And he's and, very little. And I can't help but think back to Third Rock of the, from yeah. the Sun well, with the hair and it's... Mm. You know, it's kind of, you know, the same thought that I had when they originally announced that Lestat was going to be Tom Cruise, you know? It's, it's that kind of knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, exactly. Twitch, twitch. Sorry for, for twitching for the benefit of people listening. <laughs> So, I don't know, yeah, it's, it could be interesting, I mean, who knows what films they'll bring out, you know, stuff like Black Orchid and yeah. things like that, that have been around for a very long time. American Vampire. Yeah. They could do Hellblazer! They could. Just as a hint, yeah. they could do Hellblazer! They could do it properly. Good lord. That would be a thing, wouldn't it? Because, of course, all of this has meant you know, a double smack in the face for any Constantine fans expecting him to return in Justice League Dark, because Guillermo del Toro is now no longer involved in that project. Mm. Which is a shame. That's been like, what, about two and a half years, I think, since we announced that was going on. Yep. Um, and nothing has happened for it at all. And now nothing's ever going to happen. So it's like, ah. Taking this opportunity to withdraw that prediction. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'm kind of intrigued by it. I, I, I like, I like the way it looks like it's heading with Warner's keeping mm. the main DC universe film rights, and the Warner's offshoot of New Line keeping the DC offshoot of Vertigo. But I guess, I guess it ties it, together quite nicely. There's like there's the symmetry there, mm. which I appreciate. There is, but I, I guess my concern is that with with the the New Fifty Two reboot, they mainstreamed a whole bunch of the Vertigo properties. So I guess there's now a problem as to where those properties sit. Do they sit as part of the mainstream DC universe, or are they Vertigo? Well, there's not many current Vertigo properties. Oh, no. So everything that's completed, I guess, just stands within its own universe now in the film world. But you know, like Constantine, as, as an example, uh, Hellblazer finished, but Constantine is now property of the main DC universe. So I guess that's my thing, is where do they sit? I don't know. No, I guess there'll be some sort of crossover, maybe. Possibly, yeah. Because I mean, there are tons and tons of Vertigo properties that I'd really, really love to see well, made We were talking about one last, last time out, we were talking about Fables. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, if, and that would be my pick. That, that would be awesome. Because Fables to a movie would save it from the worrying conflict we had last time was like if Fables comes out as a TV show it's coming out in the same place as Grimm once, and Once Upon a Time, time you know? yeah yeah it's kind of a bit tired but Fables the comic book was, was not at all tired it was kind of not fresh at all. and crazy yeah, yeah but, uh, to be fair it was one of those things that kind of kicked off that whole idea of the dark fairy tale yeah. thing uh, which then got ported to TV and is now very very the whole kind of dark fairy tale thing is a very popular genre yeah. uh, I can't remember there was one of the authors we were talking to that was pitching stuff that saying that they were pitching stuff to their um, their publishers and they were just like well if, if you do a dark fantasy we're interested but if you don't then no dark fairy tales is the way that we're all going at the moment it's like wow okay really <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. You know, these people write steampunk and you're saying no do they just want dark fantasy you know, yeah, okay well, yeah, they, they could take the first four trade paperbacks of fables and that's your film right there because that's got everything. That's got the in the intro of the Red Rose and Snow White story, mm. and then it's got the. Farm. So is that not a lot for a film? <laughs> I suppose I read them quite quickly, so maybe it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. But, but bear okay, in mind that but... you'll, you'll probably read one in the space of time. It would take you to watch a film. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe not the first four then. Yeah, yeah that, that's a little bit ambitious. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe a trilogy yeah. out of the first four. That Perhaps. might work. Perhaps. <laughs> and then you run the risk of stretching it too far. Yeah. yeah. I saw the Hobbit, the most recent Hobbit film, quite recently and wept. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. As, as Jesus did, As did Tolkien, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think there was, a, there was a fair amount of rage at this end as well, I think, about that. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise we have Why the Last Man and DMZ. Mm. I mean, there's so many um, vertical properties that could be converted. So, mm. Interesting times. Yeah, very cool. Um, Daredevil casting news for season two. Yeah, indeed. The Punisher is set to be the villain. Although I feel... Which is interesting. Oh, okay. I feel he'll probably be cast in a similar sort of anti-hero light that if you think about it... Kingpin was. I think he very much was. I yeah. mean, K- Kingpin in that series was very a very enigmatic bad guy. Yeah. Mm. The fact they had a Kingpin flashback episode and he started empathising with that character. Yeah, you, you really did like him a yeah. lot of the time until you got to a certain point in episode four and you were just like, right, yes. okay, it's like that, is it? Okay. <laughs> but then you get to that moment where every time you see the painting, you just have that moment of, oh. Yeah. 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 So I think it'll go along the same lines. Essentially... The storyline, as has been released so far, is following Kingpin's arrest and imprisonment, Hell's Kitchen's gone to pot, mm. and Frank Castle is out administering his own brand of justice. He's <laughs> going the exact same route as Matt Murdock, but just with more fatalities. <laughs> and it's, I think it's going to be the clash of ideals that has the sort of classic hero-villain-antagonist-protagonist thing. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a bad guy. Well, I was going to say it depends what slant they take on the storyline. If they go down the kind of you know he's doing this because his family got killed in the crossfire of a thing, then that immediately makes him much more of a sympathetic character. But if he's just going along the lines of things are out of control on the street and he's just going around murdering people because they're breaking the law, so it very much depends on the slant they put on the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the other interesting thing to consider about it. This is due 2016. Mm. Civil War is due 2016. Mm. Is there the possibility that Frank Castle's rise in Hell's Kitchen becomes part of the reason for the Registration Act in Civil War? Say what? Possibly, There could be some crossover there. But Frank Castle isn't a powered. He's not, but he's a hero vigilante. I thought the registration thing was more about powered. With Civil War, hence why Iron Man Amazing. is... Well, he's just man in the seat. Exactly, that's why he's... Because he's for it, isn't he? And, and Captain yeah. America's against it. Which always seems weirdly back to front, but it kind of makes sense yeah. with the rights of the individual that Captain America accounts. Yeah. But I think it was about the unmasking, isn't it? It's yeah. about the kind of bringing these people into the light so they're accountable. To show who they are, yeah, yeah. and accountable for their actions. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that would... But that's, forgive my ignorance in this field, but that's surely a massive crossover between the two universes, isn't it? The way the MCU, everything the MCU is doing is being coordinated higher up. So all of these Netflix ones are tying in with the larger cinematic universe. Fantastic. And and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Yeah, because we've still got another three Netflix kind of one-shots, if you will, uh, to come, which is the uh, Jessica Jones... Iron Fist, Luke Cage. Yeah, and then, and then Defenders, Defenders which is a mashup of all of them together as, a, as an ensemble. So you get, essentially, you get what the first round of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was, which is an origin story for each of them, and then an ensemble movie. And then that's all crossing over with the mainline DC, sorry, the mainline Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
They, they definitely have a big plan. It's yeah. ambitious. It it oh, very much so. This is a good time to be uh, to be a nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I, I think, yeah. I think we said that when we very first started this show, is like, you know, this, this is kind of, you know, if we were teenagers at this point, we'd be like, holy yeah. shit, bring it all on, this yeah. is so awesome. Now we're a bit older, we're like, oh, yeah, we shall wait and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll reserve our snark for yeah. later. Um, yeah, speaking of stuff that was potentially snark-worthy, um, Ant-Man has premiered in the US. It's had its press screenings, right. and reactions have been overly positive. Excellent. Yeah. I saw the trailer for that last week, and it looked really quite yeah. good. Um, am I right in saying that originally the director... The original director dropped out. It was Edgar Wright. Wright. Yeah, of course, huge fan across the board. Love yeah. his work. So yeah. I was very sad to hear that. He that... was also involved in writing the story, if not also the the screenplay. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then yeah. I don't followed, know why, but he left. So I followed everything of his from Space Dog. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that almost made me write it off. Almost hearing, oh, he's mm. not involved anymore. Uh. But now I've heard some positive things as well, and yeah. the trailer looked entertaining. Yeah, the trailer looks good. I think I saw it, it was a couple of months ago on um, Avengers: Age of Ultron yeah. at the start of that, mm. and it looked quite cool. I did see that. I saw that I went to Ultron the midnight screening in right. town here, and yeah, the, it was at the beginning of that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. exciting. Mm, so, definitely, but it's good because I was kind of worried about this one. It felt to me like this could be this could be the one that maybe drops the ball for Marvel. Because it's kind of, it's kind of a... To my mind, it's an odder choice than Guardians of the Galaxy. It, it's yeah. odder to do it at this point in the uh, Yeah, I, I think it's a very odd choice as the last film of yeah. Phase 2. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, it would have made sense to... Well, we all thought it was going to end Phase 2 on, on uh, Age, of uh, Age of Ultron. But no, they've snuck in this extra one, which I thought would've... was going to be the beginning of Phase 3. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just an odd side effect of the project being delayed with problems with writing Possibly. direction and blah, 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 blah. Maybe it was meant to be earlier slash later. Well, I think it was originally supposed to be later and, yeah. and, and not part of this original round. But <sighs> I guess maybe if Edgar Wright did leave and they had to rewrite the story, then the, their option was to come up with something entirely new or tie it in with the events of yeah. the current universe, which I think would have been the easier call because <laughs> you've already got stuff to base it on. I guess we'll find out for ourselves in a couple of weeks because it's really soon. Indeed. Yeah, so it's a couple of weeks into July, I think. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of films to see before that to get upset about. Terminator. Oh. <laughs> Just don't do it. Don't, why do you do this to yourselves? <laughs> to be honest, that was that was my pick for film franchise to let me down this year. <laughs> but then Jurassic World beat it. Well, well, let's just let's reserve judgment, shall we? <laughs> but on the plus side, we have got Inside Out coming in July. Mm. Um, which has been universally praised. I've mm. not heard anyone who's seen that film say a bad word about it. A friend of mine went to Cannes, and he saw it at Cannes, and he loved it. And I trust his opinion on films just implicitly. Okay. So, looking forward to that. It's Disney Pixar. Well, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, really this is on. the numbskulls, right? Yeah. The little people in the head. Yeah. 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 That looks really entertaining. I've, I've always been a fan of what I childly, childly call cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it ticks all my boxes. It looks yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it looks great. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Any other comic cartoons? The comic news? Um, I don't think so. Um, I mean, Ron Perlman put up a cheeky Instagram post the other day, which seems to indicate the Hellboy 3 
could be on the way. Which would be lovely, and you know, if if uh, Guillermo del Toro has dropped Justice League Dark... Maybe he can get across to it. Maybe, maybe. but you know, I mean, it, uh, the, the, the main thing is he's focusing on Pacific Rim 2. Fair <laughs> Which, more giant robots, more giant lizards. Huzzah. Who could, who could dislike that? Absolutely. <laughs> I always felt it was kind of unfair that Hellboy 2 got panned the way it did, just because it made a loss. I mean, it's hardly that film's fault. If you release yeah. that film the week after The Dark Knight... Oh, yeah, that you was... Know? Yeah. yeah. Plus, was it just me, or did anyone else see the, the fight at the end of um, Hellboy 2 and think, if they did a proper D&D movie, we've just found the fight choreographer for mm. Chris Stewart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. those elves and the way they fought were just oh, amazing. Mm. But if the third one's on the way... Um, yeah, what, massively up for that. Yeah, I think we were talking about this on Saturday night, yeah. saying, you know, Hellboy 3, come on, bring it on. And more power to Ron Perlman as well, because he's pretty much carried the campaign to bring this film out. Yeah. So, cool. We'll yeah, get Big Red back. Yeah. <laughs> Needs to be finished off. Sweet. Cool. That brings yeah, us nicely to Mr. Harry Wallop. Harry Wallop. Ah, <laughs> yes. And the main talking point for tonight's episode. Uh, I'm just going to quote... You have t- notes. I have notes. What the fuck's with this? I know. So my name's professional. <laughs> I've, st- I've, I've, st- I've stepped Holy up my shit, game. Dude. I don't know, right? <laughs> trying to make you look bad. Can't wing it this time. <laughs> um, yeah. That's fine. I think I had to do that when we did the, uh, the Hugo Awards yeah. ones. <laughs> cool. So the title of his article was Card Games and Board Games Are Dying Out and It's No Great Loss. It's worth mentioning at this point that other articles by this journalist include Why have Cadbury's roses changed their wrappers? <laughs> Is it acceptable to drink mint tea on a stag weekend? And the classic Wet wipes Work of the devil or an invaluable convenience? So oh. I'm not quite sure if Mr. Harry Wallop is trolling the internet <laughs> in this article right now. So Okay <laughs> The article itself is a response to findings of a survey conducted by Barclay Card. It Card, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, on behalf of the Yes to Chess initiative. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's a survey of 1,000 children aged between 7 and 14 and 1,000 parents with children in that age range. Um, so already we're looking at three potential problems there. One, the size of the sample is hardly indicative. Statistically relevant. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a small sample it yeah. might as well be nothing I was going to say I fall in that bracket they didn't fucking ask me <laughs> <laughs> second it's carried out by Barclay card yeah. so there's probably some sort of skew in the questions there and thirdly and probably most importantly part of the Yes to Chess Foundation so the questions are obviously going to have some sort of bias towards chess and that view of traditional board gaming yeah. at least that yeah. would be my thought so the findings were that 73% of the parents remembered playing board games when they were the children's age, mm-hmm. as opposed to 44% of the children that were surveyed. Um, 25% of the children played chess, compared to 45% of the adults of children of that age. And then the one which just seemed to be thrown in at the end, and seems to be what he's building his entire argument around as the proof, is that 82% of children play video games versus 30% of adults of children of that age who did when they were their children's age. Okay, so what... Okay. So when the adults of the children were the children's age, they didn't play video games. Okay. Which is kind of... 
if you think okay. of how technology, if, the, if you assume that the parents were at least 16 when they had their first child. Yeah, because mm-hmm. so, I'm fairly different because yeah. I, I had kids pretty young. So, you know, it, and, and computers and so forth were only really coming on board at home when yeah. I was like nine or 10. So mm-hmm. anybody who's like, probably I would say over 42, 43, yeah is not going to have had any access to video games or computer games at home at all. Yeah, and even 7 to 14 years ago, if we assume the minimum age is 16 of the, of the parents at the time they had their first child, we don't have the array of handheld devices that we have now. We actually don't have hardly any. I think it's 05 was started the breakthrough with the smartphone technology. Oh, God. Mm. We, yeah, I mean, well, because so, mobile phones, so what, 2001, we had the Nokia 7110 Matrix phone that had Snake. Yeah. And that's, that was the level of technology, so it, it progressed from there, because uh, I think it was probably about two years after. So it would have been about 2003 that Nokia brought out their first kind of games phone. Right. I don't, if, I don't know if you remember those. Uh, was it the Nokia M series, I think they were. The N gauge. Oh, yeah. they look like a like a game. They look like oh god, what was the old one? They look like a Lynx. I don't yeah. know why I go back that far, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. side on. Um, I remember. Yeah, the, and that, so that was that was the first gaming phone, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, and that was about two thousand and three. I think it yeah. fell on its ass, didn't it? it didn't oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was ridiculously expensive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> For its market that it was aiming at, you know, they were all like, I've got Game Boys and things. Oh, yeah, oh. No bother, no bother. <laughs> yeah. So I just think that, the, the, yeah, I mean, the question skews against the bias of access, I yeah, guess, yeah. to video mm-hmm. games, which is incredible. But, like, I tried to get some evidence to sort of counter his assertion that board games were dying out. So, 2014, Kickstarter, $89 million pledged on games. The top funded game with two million was a game called Caverns, which was a tile-based board game. Okay. Is that right in your mm. shop yet? No, no, it doesn't ring a bell. Incidentally, that got more than double the funding of the top video game. So, yeah, I mean, even just like picking up tiny articles that I've read over the last couple of days, that's like already showing a bias in favour of board games versus video games. Mm. Um, and then there's other stats to say, as of November 2014, over the past four years, um, we've seen board game purchases rise by between 25% and 40% annually. You know, I think we were saying before we, sh- we started recording, we're in the middle of a board game renaissance at the moment. Yeah. Go, I, I guess kind of before we go any further on the, on the things, I guess I'd, I'd like to hear a bit about kind of where the idea for Thirsty Beeples came from and, yeah. how, and, and how that came about and kind of, you know, how, how that fitted into kind of everyday society in Oxford because it's a, it's an amazing thing that that shop has mm. done and I'm utterly in awe of it and I think when we first heard about it opening we were like hell yes bring this bring this the hell on we will, we will be there hallelujah and golden time has come yeah so I mean yeah can you can you take us back a bit and tell well, us a bit the about actual it? origin story for Thirsty Meeple's book and cafe is my uh, <coughs> my employer John Morgan owner uh, was part of a AD&D group and on an occasion when somebody couldn't show up, one of his members, one of the group, one of the players couldn't make it, um, the DM brought out a box of Munchkin. Yeah. And was, uh, you know, so we can't do that, we'll do this. And John was just like, 
what is this? This is amazing. This is fantastic. And they had a couple of games of Munchkin, and then <clears throat> from then on, whenever they couldn't do their regular session, the, somebody would bring along a different game. And from there, he found out more and more about the various games available. He went on a bit of a pilgrimage to uh, Toronto, to the uh, Snakes and Lattes. If you've heard of the Snakes and Lattes board game cafe no. in Toronto, it's one of the biggest, most successful board game cafes in the world. Um, there's, a, there's a lot out in the Far East as well, Korea and... Japan and China have a lot mm. of board game cafes. Um, but yeah, he went out to Toronto, um, had a look at their setup there, came back and set about collecting board games. Um, and now we're on something like 2,000 titles we book out every weekend. And yeah, I mean, our reaction to this, when we somebody pointed it out to us, somebody sent us a tweet saying... I think I tweeted it here. Yeah, was it you originally sent it over? Thank you. Because we were just kind of slightly bemused, yeah. I guess, because you know, you're looking down this tablet going, oh, board games are dying out. And you look up and you're looking at a room of 50 people playing board games, mm. you know, ranging from, you know, six, <laughs> six-year-olds with their families all the way up, you know. Was it six to 60-year-olds? Yeah. So I've seen people in there playing. Huge range of yeah. people playing games. Um, two hours ago, I was at the cafe teaching and we had two mums in with seven kids from... Yeah, six to twelve, I think they were sort of age range, and we had them all playing together <laughs> in a you know big games of pitch car where you're flicking things and all kinds of stuff. So I was going to say, yeah, it's interesting. So, it, it, what is the kind of average demographic in there? Do you mainly get students? Do you mainly get kids in with their parents, or is it a, a good mix? Well, students do make up a huge part of our uh, business, being as Oxford's such a big student mm. town with the, you know, the many universities in the area, etc., and colleges. Um, but we do see a huge, diverse group, really. I mean, ranging from kind of young professionals to the students to the families at the weekends. Mm. And, you know, come in on a Tuesday afternoon, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, when the school holidays have kicked in, I think that's about right, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's and about that, yeah. It's yeah. Three weeks, maybe three weeks, yeah. Yeah, and we'll be, you know, rammed all day. We'll mm. be overflowing with people. And so that was our response straight away to Mr Wallop, was come down, check it out, because the stuff he's quoting, the stuff he's talking about, Monopoly and Cluedo, yeah, I mean... I, I guess that was, that was the, the key problem I had with the article, was he's referencing some very, very old bo board games, you know. It's the absolute classics that you play. You can, I think he references Backgammon and Blackjack and <laughs> yes. stuff like that as his examples of board like, and card games. Board games are rubbish. I mean, Pong. He's like, no, yeah. no, sorry, video games. Computer games are rubbish. It's yeah. like Pong. And you're like, no, 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 look. Look, at, look at what's out there. <laughs> That's it, yes. Like, you know, oh, yes, but all these people spending all these hours playing Pac-Man because that's, that's what a video <laughs> game is, isn't it? <laughs> so I think it was very, it was a very, very naive description of what is what, what reflects current board games. Because I mean, I've certainly seen the resurgence of it at the convention that I've been going yeah. to, where at every convention there has always been at least one, if not more. Uh, shops represented there mm. in in stall form selling board games. And they're, you know, some, they're not cheap anymore. They, these, you know, you will pay up to like maybe 80 quid sometimes for a game, mm. depending on the complexity of it. Stuff like Vanguard, mm. uh, it, it, they can be very, very expensive games, but it's like anything you get what you pay for. And these are some really, really good, in, like incredibly complex games. Yeah. So I think it's a very naive viewpoint of his to say that people aren't playing games like that because, I, you know, I think comparing that to the offering that's around now, that they are quite dull. 
Yeah, people have gone on from Monopoly because Monopoly is boring. Yeah, there's there's more kids aren't chasing hoops down the street with sticks anymore yeah. either. You know, yeah. <laughs> times have changed. Yeah. And, he, and he kind of cites uh, video games and computer games drawing people away, and now they're playing with their iPads and that. And I've come to the opinion that we, the those of us that work in the board game industry, owe a lot to the video games and electronic games because there's kind of gone this full scale circuit where computers and um, consoles have become so kind of available mm. and affordable, more and more people are playing games, yeah. ranging all the way up. It's not just a kid's thing anymore, so to speak. And you go from this thing where you start playing games online and you can hear people and you can talk to people and you coordinate and suddenly you get fed up with people shouting mm. noob and obscenities yeah. down Call of Duty kind of team speak, etc. Gate camping you in EVE online. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to be able to see the person you're playing a game with. You want to be able to sit around and have a good time. Also, I, mean, I think it kind of dates back to, I think it was the Wii was the turning point in, in casual gaming mm. uh, because up until that point, I think gaming had been very much you were either into PCs and you had you know your really high spec PC and you did all your online MMORPGs or you had a, a PS2 and you were a console fanatic and you spent yeah. all your time on these games and then the Wii came out and that was very aimed at casual gamers who could just pick it up and have a yeah. play and then go and do something else and that's also very much the same way that games on social networks work and games on mobile phones that they're very simple concepts of you know form a line of four and do yeah. stuff and i think that has really kind of channeled into people's desire to play the simpler types of games and i think that ultimately acts as a, as a kind of gateway drug to sitting down and playing a board game version of these mm. things because I mean, you know, if it wasn't for these phone games, you wouldn't get you know you get kids playing Angry Birds board games and stuff because it's the same as the stuff that's on their phones. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it very much has kind of fed into it. So if you yeah, you no, guys they, agree they or kind of support yeah. each other. I mean, <clears throat> if I tell you that the new Portal board game that's coming out in the next couple of months that is fully supported by Valve and some of the Valve guys have worked on this board game adaption of Portal, that's sweet. It's, awesome. that's like wow. Yeah. You know, please God, don't be alive. Don't take this cake away from me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's it's that's going to be amazing. And these two things support each other really well because if you love playing games, odds are it doesn't really matter the format too much, be it electronic yeah. or physical kind of version. Miniatures, card games, they all kind of feed into each other. Is certainly be my my opinion. I love card games. I love board games. I love mm. miniature games. I love video games. I love computer games, and they're all just that social competing mm. but entertaining interaction and they're all just feed into that same thing mm. yeah. right, have, you, have you done much in terms of the kind of competitive board gaming because I know Brendan got involved in the uh, the Settlers of Catan national finals did, did, did well with that didn't you of about 35th I think in the end <laughs> oh and the nationals was that up at the, uh, at the games expo yeah. oh cool yeah nice yeah. nice nice fantastic yeah, I, crushed it in the first game yeah and then got rinsed <laughs> just utterly rinsed for the rest of the tournament but yeah it was fun wow. but the games expo was like proof in it of itself that this is not a dying hobby mm. i mean there were points that of that weekend where given that we had the entire first floor of the hilton metropole you still couldn't find the spot to yeah. sit down and play board games. Yeah, that was the only disappointment we had because we were there as the game's library. Yeah. We had 600-odd games and we were doing this passport system and people would come up to take a passport, take a game away and then come back three quarters an hour later saying, I can't find anywhere to play it. And that's like, 
this place is huge, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And we had people, I don't know if you saw, there were people out on the grass playing board games yeah. in the sun because there were no flat surfaces. We walked around with a copy of Dominion for a couple of hours. <laughs> we took a copy of Dominion into the uh, the dark room in the end because we were just waiting forever to to play it and just ended up giving it back because we just never got around to it. We couldn't find a space. Mm. What's the dark room, Brendan? Oh, don't. <laughs> Just okay, fine. I forgot that you mentioned it in an earlier episode. <laughs> I'd come back to a previous episode. So. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Thanks. <laughs> Derailed. Yeah, <I> mean, Fatality. <laughs> the Games Expo, I think they had like 7,000 unique visitors. Oh, yeah. And a footfall of much more than that, I think, over well, the weekend. Like, next year, they want to be, they're going to be in the indoor arena and the Hilton for mm. the tournament play, and they want us to do two separate libraries in both parts, or shift one huge library back and forth between them. We're still working wow. out the details. And it's just getting bigger and bigger. I mean, that was why, when we saw this this article go up, the, the, the kind of demise, growing demise of board games, yeah. it was, I responded with incredulity. It was just like, mm. really? And then so our response on Twitter was, no, please come down, yeah. come see us on a Saturday, we'll show you what there is. Mm. You know, there's That's, so many good games. And they fly from Nerd vs. World as well. Absolutely. If, if you want to come down and play some board games, Mr. Wallet, then... Yeah, definitely, yeah. We we'll see my cabinet in my living room yeah. is bulging with board games. And we'll, my we'll, 11, well, my now 12-year-old daughter absolutely loves them. And we'll <laughs> gladly shout, like... Uh, Couple of hours gameplay down Thirsty Meeples as well. Damn right. Where their chocolate shakes are to die for. Oh yes, you're very kind. <laughs> it's like brain food. And a marvellous selection of teas, if I do say so myself. And jelly babies. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Come on, be fair. Yeah, you got your license as well. Haven't oh, you? yeah, because I don't think I've been in since you got your license. Ah, so it's been a while. The from... the owner is working as hard as possible to make the menu as ridiculously huge and varied as he can. Nice. So we've got something like twenty odd beers in bottles and five on tap, and oh, it's getting. It's ridiculous, but it's wonderful. I'm not complaining wow. at all. There's all kinds of choice in there. Mm. And in a minute, or at some point, you're going to ask me about films. So what if I ask you what your favourite board games are? Just one. Just a current favourite, say. Zombies. Zombies. I love zombies. That's it, man. I haven't played that in a little Absolutely while. Absolutely wow. adore zombies. Especially with the uh, the Cabin of the Woods expansion for that, the, the Evil Dead expansion. Oh, I haven't tried that one. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Cool, 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 cool. Nice. I really like Small World. Good. I, I, yeah, the small world's one of the ones that sort of got me into the bigger world of gaming. Yeah. And kind of led to it's this. A, it's a fun game. I like the replay value you have on that. Mm. Yeah. It's great. I, I tried not to say Catan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess a current favourite is Gloom, because I've only just got that, and Gloom. it's fantastic. Yeah. Very good. Really enjoy Very playing good. Gloom. And uh, Mr. Keith Baker of Gloom is a friend of Meeple's. He's a yes, lovely chap. Yeah, yeah I, I, I dropped him an email after I'd heard that he'd been in the store. I was asking because I wasn't mm. sure whether he lived in the area or something. And he was like, no, he was just over visiting. So yeah, fly by. Hopefully, hopefully we will get him on a show at some point in the future to talk about Gloom. Cool, 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 cool. He's got upcoming Gloom Munchkin. Gloom Munchkin. Gloom Munchkin. Munchkin is currently wow, there's a mashup from hell. reaching out into every <laughs> sphere of gaming and is just appearing all over the place. You've had Love Letter Munchkin, you've had Smash Up Munchkin, um, and now Gloom Munchkin. Oh, Love Letter, actually. Mm. That's a great game. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. like a five, six pound pocket game. Yeah, that's amazing. brilliant. Remember Munchkin did... Flux could work. Munchkin Flux would be cool. Yeah. Actually, if I can take a moment to punt myself, my favourite game of all time is the Discord game. I don't know if I'm okay. the Pratchett fans. Which, which one? Well, we are very, Anymore. very big Pratchett fans. Oh, that's um, yeah. So it's basically 
Ah, uh, Shadows of Camelot, but the... Mm, it's not cooperative at all. It's completely competitive. Okay. You might be thinking of Witches was the co-op Discworld game. Uh, it's worker resource management, right? Like a book? Yes, yeah, well, to a certain extent. You don't have a pool, you have to purchase people, but yeah, I mean... Why am I challenging you? You're ridiculous. Why? Oh, Brennan, stop this. Like you tell you how to sound engineer. I know, right? He's the designer of this game, Martin Wallace, huge games designer, has done the Ant-More Pop board game, the Witches board game, and he was all prepared to do his third game in the series about the Discworld gods. And unfortunately, I'm going to take off my hat because Mr. Pratchett passed, which was, you know... Just terrible news. Very much so. And the license has been revoked, and the games aren't getting reprinted, and the third game will never see the light of day. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So, if anyone happens to be listening from the the Pratchett estate, so to speak, please, you know, the the fans are very upset and sad about this. So please, bring it back out. I know his daughter did say that the Discord series would not be continuing. She wasn't mm. going to take it on. Mm. Um, which it's it's sad, but I can kind of see that maybe that's right. Yeah. Because then the anyone could write that series. Yeah, I, I don't think the series should continue. No. I mean, yeah, but I could see a place for you know like a short story anthology of other authors writing short stories within the disc world. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Yeah. I'd yeah. really love to see. So I'd love to see other authors' takes on the disc yeah, world. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. But uh, yeah, I certainly don't think there should be any more disc world novels. But another board game would be cool. Especially finishes off that trilogy. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Okay, so I, I guess in summary on that, then we we, we vehemently disagree with yeah, that. Well, article. in summary on that, it's just like he the quote that he finishes the article with is that well, it's, it's in his article is um, board games are an exercise in killing time. I prefer to be doing something more educational, more interesting, and more fun. I would suggest that. You're not playing the right games. Yes, <laughs> yes. indeed. Yeah. Uh, I would say that yeah. If if chess and you know Monopoly are the epitome of the board games that you've tried, there is a whole new world yeah. out of there. <laughs> it's it, yeah. Um, Every day people come into the cafe and they say, "Right, board game cafe. Do do you have Monopoly?" And we go, "Well, yeah, we do. You're welcome to play that. But how about I show you something new, yeah. something interesting, something." That will shake your foundations. And it's like writing off a whole genre. It's like saying you don't like sci-fi because 2001 was a bit slow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will say, last time I was in Thirsty Meeples, yeah. I did play Scrabble. Did you? Yeah. Fantastic. Planned that for ages. There's a reason that some of the classics are classics, classics. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's constant innovations. There's constant new ideas and interesting games and... Yeah, I, was, I guess it was only about a year or so ago that I, that I came across the idea of a cooperative board game yeah. mm. that you play against the game itself, and mm. I think that was that was an interesting concept for me that I'd never come across before in board games. Yeah, and yeah. it makes total sense, but I just mm. uh, I, I never even considered that that was something you could do. And you can have fun; you can have as much fun losing those games. As you Absolutely, can, yeah. Like, like, we were playing Forbidden is... Desert, and we yeah. were within like one one turn of winning the entire thing and, and one of us was trapped outside and was like, no, we were so close. But Forbidden Desert, um, Eldritch Horror, Betrayal of the House of the Hill. Mm. Although that, oh. you, yeah. The whole semi-cooperative scene, the whole yeah. kind of Battlestar Galactica or Dead of Winter where mm. we're all on the same side but one of you yeah. can you swear on this show? Is that a thing? One of you no, swine, God, yeah. one of you yeah. bastards is a traitor. Which one? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> 
but which one mm. of you is the traitor? And that's just amazing, the dynamic. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw people playing that, and yeah, one person is a turncoat mm. or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like one of my best experiences from the Games Expo this year was playing uh, Legendary Encounters Alien, hmm. which was a co-op game. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, have you have, have you played the XCOM board game? I have, and that's Is that any good? really interesting. Because yeah. I'm a big fan of the the XCOM games. It does a really good job of representing that in board game format. Because there's some, some kind of companion games. app or something for a phone, isn't there? Yeah, so we each have our own little mini-game, depending on your role. So you're the head researcher, I'm the, the squad commander, you're the base commander kind of thing. We each have our own tasks to do. And if you look at those mini-games individually by themselves, they're nothing too special. But put those hand-in-hand with an app that's giving you a countdown of... You have to tell the head researcher he's got 10 seconds to draw some cards pick something to research and devote resources to it. And if he doesn't do it in those 10 seconds, something bad will happen. And then immediately when those 10 seconds are up, somebody else has to do something in five seconds. And now you have to do something and you've got 15 seconds and you've got all these judgment calls to make and you don't have time to consult the other players. It's really interesting. And this marriage of board games and technology that we're seeing is um, intriguing, shall we say. Mm. Very intriguing. So. Yeah, that I definitely recommend. Cool, okay. Find the video game, definitely. Excellent, okay, because I've, I've been toying with the idea of getting it, because I know it, it, that's a kind of 60, 70 quid one, isn't it? Uh, no, it's not even 60, well, 70. I, I thought it, it might be in the 30, 40. All oh, right, okay. Um, but that's I think that must have just been because I was at a convention and they maybe yeah. slightly hiked the oh, prices. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's definitely one to wave at somebody who doesn't know what's out there in the board gaming world and say, no, look at this. This mm. completely blurs the lines on what you perceive as a board gamer. Yeah. Oh, I'll roll a dice and I move four spaces. Yeah. Um, no, there's oh, just the inventive. Well, that brings me to something that I hope you can clarify. Um, there's talk about the European versus the American side of game. Mm-hmm. So what do we mean by the European? So we call them Eurogaming and a merry trash. Right. right. And the idea is... In the Gee, European... let me think which one's good. That's a term that comes from America, a merry trash. All right, okay. Um, so, so, yeah, so no, it's is... ironic and self-referential. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the, like the, Americans. The is that your, um, your typical Euro game will be, so Catan, perfect example, yeah. really indirect conflict. So I can block you, but I very rarely attack and we very rarely have direct conflict in that way. And there's a lot of interaction between the players in terms of trade and resource management and that sort of thing. So um, things like Carcassonne and Settlers of Catan are perfect examples. Whereas the Ameritrash scene is more... Uh, well, zombies is a really good example. You're more looking at that direct conflict and that um, interaction with the players on that level. Um, less resource management, more run for the chopper with a shotgun. <laughs> if you cool. see what I mean. More that kind of action film, Hollywood vibe, I guess. Okay, sweet, that's cool. Yeah, that's a very quick summary. Yeah, of that's a good summary. My perception of it, anyway. Um, yeah, and they both have a lot of that, a lot of merit in their own style, I suppose. Sweet. Mm. I was never, I was never quite clear on that. That's good to know. But yeah, so I think, yeah, in summary, we disagree with. Pretty much we disagree with you vehemently. And if you would like us to prove you why, then come and see either us or Thirsty Meeples, and we will uh, take you on a voyage of discovery, sir. Do you want to hear about a cool thing? Yeah. Of course. This is kind of valid cool about the, the golden age of gaming, right? This is what we're calling it at the moment: golden age of gaming. In July, I'm off to a mega game. Have you heard about the mega games in mm-hmm. London? So it's this company, the guy that 
runs it works for the UK military designing war game scenarios for them. Right. I don't know what that exactly entails. But Would he, you like to play a game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, well, the mega game is 300 people, I think, this one, in a uh, sort of community centre somewhere on the outskirts of London. Um, and uh, it's called, this one's called Watch the Skies, and it's about an alien encounter with the people of Earth. Of these 300 people playing the game, so it's like, think of it on RPGs. Yeah, yeah, sense. There's yeah. 300 player characters. There's 50 GMs who are all organising and running the game. I am the military attaché of Vietnam. <laughs> there is a head of the Vietnam military. There's the president and his prime minister is kind of his aide. There's the ambassador to the UN. And, and it, I think kind of uh, sort of cultural attaché who deals mm -hmm. with the media and that kind of thing. There are something in the region of 50 different factions. Like the American faction has 50 people representing it, whereas Vietnam, we're kind of not as big international presence. We've got like eight people on our team. There are four teams representing international media groups. There's the Pope and his staff. There's, it, it, it's ridiculous. And it's about these alien incursions. And are they here, are they invading us? Are they here to kind of like peacefully encounter us? We don't know. We just know that the theme is going to be an alien encounter. Mm -hmm. And it's things like, as the military advisor, only myself and my boss can go and see the world map that shows the distribution of military units. Only the ambassador is allowed to go to the UN meetings. And we all have to report that to the prime minister who gets to make decisions with the president. And, da, 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 da. Okay. and it's just huge. Yeah, so it's a massive kind of LARP military... Uh, what's the word? Drill, war game, part yeah. role play game, yeah, yeah, yeah. part all of this stuff. That sounds pretty awesome. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, because I, I liked some of the ARGs that went on. You know, the where you, you take part in a game and you have to go and you find stuff on the TV or you find it out in like, painted on walls or oh, posters yeah, yeah, and things like that. Because I, I did quite. I think Nokia did. It was the Nokia. It was called the Nokia game, mm. and they would ring you or they would send you text messages, and then you'd have to decode those and go to a, be at a place at a time and. That those kind of things always intrigued me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a cool thing. Mega, mm. game, mega games. Mega, mega, mega games. games London. That's a very cool thing. Watch oh, the skies. Yeah, I want to play. Yes, mm. yes, we all do now. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. I think we put that one to bed. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So what we also do with our guests on this show is um, we'll put you on the spot. Okay, yep get you to name five films that you need to add to our Nerd vs. World list of films you have to see before you die. Okay. So they don't have to be groundbreaking, they don't have to be classics, they just have to be five films that you would recommend hmm. to a friend. So I've got a list, cool. which is in my phone, which is turned off, so here we go, from memory without the aid of a safety net. First for me, I've got to say Star Wars. I know that's so kind of typical and standard so one of mine. There, yeah. but I can't think of a time when I hadn't seen it mm. it goes so far back for me and well how do you feel about The Force Awakens how do you feel about that I feel pretty good actually. Oh, yeah I'm looking forward I to it pretty good. after The Phantom Fast for me you, you get me to pick one of those films one of the original trilogy I, I, I have such I have such a kind of schizophrenic argument in my head about which one of those I'm fairly films. solid on Empire <laughs> yeah see that's the most common one I love the 
completeness of the first film. I love yeah. the completeness of yeah. it. Yeah, it, it is a full story. Yeah, beginning, middle, end, mm. done. Um, but then again, I love the danger of... I, no, I can argue about this with myself. <laughs> so, That's right, carry on. We're just in <laughs> what? Star Wars. We're like Gollum all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think we're actually, yeah. we're actually pretty... Be hopeful for yeah. Force yeah. Awakens. Touch yeah. wood. Yeah. And, uh, it, it feels like it's going to be good. The yeah. vibe about it is good. Yeah, the magic able saying positive things. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 all things look positive. Physical props and real life sets. And like yeah. from that point, it's just like cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm not slavering that. in the same way I was for Episode One because of Episode One. But I'm cautiously and optimistic. Yeah. And it's put us in a good place, hasn't it? Absolutely. It's yeah. Kind of you know, it's rounded. Gone, remember what happened last time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you were so. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, Oh, no, no, it's like, I, I refer um, you to the start of season you, two of Space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite. Did, did you hear the rumor that JJ snuck in Jar Jar? JJ has snuck in Jar Jar's skeleton. Have you heard this rumor? I don't, I don't know how kind of true this is, but apparently, if you know and you look, no, I'd you be happy because I'd, I'd heard about the potential for Boba Fett getting out of the Sarlacc. If you just pan in the Sarlacc and just there is the bones of, <laughs> of Jar Jar Binks in the Sarlacc while he climbs out, that would work for me. Yeah, that would do it. That's like two spent ticks. a thousand years being digested. Yes, you deserved that. <laughs> that's like one shot, two ticks. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Star Wars. Um, that's a good choice. Human traffic. Yeah, cool. John Sim, I was yeah. a huge fan of Human Traffic. The the direction and the acting in that film is frankly mm. amazing, wonderful. Big fan of that. Um, the Matrix is possibly the only film I've paid to see at the cinema twice. I went seven times. Did you? Yeah. Primarily because I, it was the same year as Episode One, and right. I was that disappointed <laughs> with Episode One, and the Matrix came out of nowhere. Yeah. So for me, I think the Matrix was also on my list. Yeah. yeah. That for me was just like it blew me away mm. totally. I, I I knew nothing about that film when I went to the mm. cinema. I literally yeah. hadn't heard a thing. I got called out of the blue. A group of us are going to down see a film. Do you want to come? Oh yeah. What is it? The Matrix. Never heard of it. Mm. It's a kung fu film. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that is what I got told. And that I just. I had to, my jaw was on the floor yeah. at the end and, of the film. And it's ageless. It's like, I'm yeah. doing the Ready Player One film challenge at the moment, which means watching every film referenced in that book. Mm. There's like 80 of them. Mm. And I do them in double bills. So I watched Lady Hawk, which is phenomenal. I had to get your Blu-ray back to you. Yes. It's an awesome film. Because yeah, I've got to watch it before December. Yeah. And I tweeted th saying, uh, just watch Lady Hawk, it's incredible. I'm not quite sure how the Matrix is going to follow this. Mm -hmm. Put the Matrix back in, I was like, no, this film's still awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> it is. It was like the first the first scene with like, your men are already dead. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just an awesome pick. Yeah, good and call. For me, that's like the pinnacle of Keanu Reeves' career in particular. I, I, I like, I, yeah. I don't know, he's never particularly blown me away as a, as no, a performer no, as such, but in that film, he just. Did it that so and Johnny Mnemonic are very much on a par for me. I think he's yeah. very good in Johnny. Uh, there's Mnemonic a film. Well. There's a film called Thumbsucker as well, which is worth Thumbsucker. a watch. It's an independent film um, where he plays a, a stone dentist essentially, <laughs> and it's pretty good. I have no hopes oh, yeah. for his new film being any good. What, what's the his one name? where two girls turn up at his house? Oh and, man, yeah, yeah, I saw the trailers yeah. for that. <laughs> it sounds like the, the, the intro to a porn film. It, was, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it looks like that, and then <laughs> and then they basically capture him and torture him and yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's Eli what's, what's Roth. It called? Is it Eli Roth? It's called yeah. Knock Knock, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Basically, oh, yeah. These, Avoid. <laughs> they, they basically, his wife's gone out of town. These two girls turn up. They seduce, seduce him, him and then yeah, and then start torturing him. Start torturing. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really Hollywood. Hollow, uh, Hollywood. The yeah. word you're looking for is shit. Yeah. Yeah, and also you can't forget Put in Ted. 
yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they're going back a ways there, but that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, sorry. We, we, we digressed. Um, so my background, <clears throat> my degree, going all the way back, is uh, acting and theatre, musical mm-hmm. theatre, is my thing. Once upon a time, YouTube, and performing arts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Awesome. I was, I was yeah, surprised yeah. it wasn't a stage choice. musical because that is such a good film. The songs in that are phenomenally yeah. good. Yeah, and the animation style still, mm. I go back and I watch it. And it does, because of the, it's the style it is, it hasn't aged in yeah. the same way that some animated films have yeah. aged because the, the quality of anime recently has been just phenomenal. Mm. Um, but that style uh, is, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. Henry Selleck, yeah, is genius. Do you, have, you, have you seen Coraline? I have seen Coraline, yeah. yeah I love that one. Yeah. That was in 3D, so that one that was well worth it in 3D. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. How many is that? So Star Wars, two. Matrix, uh, Night- Human Traffic, Nightmare Before Night Christmas, one left. Uh, well, I've got a different one written down, but I keep coming back to Fight Club. Um, I, know, I, I read the guy's books after, so I cannot remember his name now. Uh, check. Polinia. Yes, that's the guy, yeah. and I like his books. I mean, they all tend to have very similar lines of kind of guy who builds up and ends up in this these weird and terrible situations yeah. and scenarios. So, I I kind of I don't know overdid his books. I read a lot of them in one go, and they sort of merged a little bit in places. But um, I'm a big fan of Fight Club. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's one of those films that you have to go back and watch again once you've seen the ending yeah. of it. You really have to go back and go, look, look there, there, there's the subliminal frame of him. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's Edward Norton mm. and Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, thank yeah. you for sort of blank there. Just at top form, the pair of them. And yeah. I was really impressed by that. It's one of those films as well, if you go back and watch it with director's commentary, mm. it's incredible. Mm. It's, very, it's very rare I find a good commentary track. Okay. But Fight Club was a really good commentary track. Especially when it like you know, um towards the end where they're fighting in the stairwell. Mm. And it's obviously it's Edward Norton just throwing himself down the yeah. stairs. Yes. He did it so many times and they ended up using the first take. Yeah. It's like little things like that that get picked up on the commentary tracks that I really like. Yeah. Wow. So Sweet, right. yeah, that's good selection. Excellent selection. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I didn't want to go too kind of like trying to think of really obscure films and be really kind of you know oh, no, I'm going to think of well, something yeah, nobody's did. brought up before. Well, that's it. So we, we we did it off the cuff, so that's why yeah. Cool, cool, very cool. similar choices. So yeah, cool. Excellent choice. Sweet. Hmm. That's a pretty good way to wrap up, I think. Today. Okay. Well, just just before we do, before just we I, I I want to quickly a couple of things. Uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell finished on TV on Sunday. It was epic. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Okay. It is one of the finest TV shows I've seen all year. Uh, it just came out on Blu-ray, so I went and bought that today, and I'm going to watch the entire thing again. Nice. Did you read it? Uh, I haven't, no. I was given the book, and I never got round to reading it. I didn't finish it, and that's so rare for me. I, yeah. I, I, so, so many times in my life, I've picked up a book, gone halfway through, and gone, God, A few people have said that in the middle of the book, it. it got really, really dull. Yeah, that was what happened to me and I so rarely don't finish a mm. book I, I try my best to power on through and that one stumped me I mean because it's like you know, yeah. you're, you're the second stop. person today who said that about that book okay. so yeah I, I'm kind of glad that I came to it on the TV show yeah it's it's everything you would hope that kind of dark fantasy TV show would be Fantastic. and it got an extra episode but you know I think I read an article to the, the digital spy review of it I think I read today and they said, you know, it, it hasn't had a great, it hasn't had great viewing figures. It's unlikely we're ever going to see anything like it again. So, you know, oh, make the man. most of it and watch it because it's a phenomenally good series. Very dark, it. brilliant show. 
so yeah, there's that, and just a kind of upcoming thing is uh, obviously we've got, we're not far away from Nine Worlds now, yep. four weeks until Nine Worlds, uh, where I'm going to be taking part in the second annual podcast games. So come along and support me uh, and watch me kicking people's ass at geek yeah, knowledge. Don't, don't hold back this time. I, I won't. Well, this, you know, this time I'm I'm, I'm allowed. I, I felt uncomfortable taking part in the quiz last time. You know. It's kind of, you know, I feel like we're, we're professional nerds, so it's kind of cheating <laughs> <laughs> taking part in quizzes. I had no problem winning it. <laughs> Get it? That, that, that's your morals, dude. Fuck them. Uh, all right, fair enough. I, I, should, I should have more flexible morals. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll be doing other stuff there as well. Uh, and then also a shout-out for Kaleidicon, yep. which uh, is coming up in October that we're going to be involved in there. Um, we should have one of the crew from Clydecon on in our next episode, so that's two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about. a bit about the event, what to expect there. This is another convention that's kind of come... It's it based around games, board games, retro gaming. Fantastic. I think so it's a, a very gaming-heavy convention. And so. the voice of GLaDOS is going to be there. We, so. we, we are going to be interviewing <laughs> the voice of said voice of GLaDOS, yeah. awesome. which is going to be very, very cool. So, yeah, so I'm pleased you mentioned about Portal earlier on. Yeah, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be cool. Uh, and then, of course, don't forget we've got the new YouTube channel now. So please go along, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There will be many more videos coming out on there. We've still got a bunch to come from MCM. Uh, we'll be doing previews of our shows. All the previous shows of Nerd vs. World and the Wonky Cast and everything are on there. And even some weird songs that I've done. Oh, I can't wait to re-record those and get some videos done. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so we've got my poor home-recorded attempts and Brendan's going to make me sound good. <laughs> Is that all those knobs and buttons over there, Dee? Yeah. That's it, there's, there's a big, the sound good there's a big button there that says make spindles sound better. <laughs> Turn it up to 11. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, please go along and check that. Sweet. So that's where we're going to wrap up. I would say that's yeah, where we're going to wrap it up. So. Cool. Sweet, so... Thank you all for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And I'm Simon. Until next time, take care and be excellent to each other.